0: But, but it's been a crazy week. And I don't know if you've ever had weeks uh, like that. Um, but, but this week, I just kind of like, nothing went right. It was kind of like this song uh, here. And play that video that was supposed to be played when I walked up. There you go. Yeah, I got to watch that movie like ten times uh, with, uh, with with my granddaughter, and I thought, man, that'd be a great clip uh, to play because sometimes I like, think we just feel like like misfits, and then like also then there's a whole scene in the movie uh, with the picture there of the island of of misfits toys, like and those things are just jacked up. I mean, like you got the polka dotted elephant. Like, that may be cool if you're on LSD, but nobody wants that. And I can say that because we're in Ken Monday, but. Uh, and then you got, um, and I don't even see him in this one, but you got, like, Charlie in the box. Like, that, that's crazy. Um, like, and anyway, just a little side note, Jack in the boxes are, are terrible things anyway. Like, you wind this little thing up, and it scares you to death. Like, like the, and there's a clown inside of them. Clowns are freaky, too. So, but, like, all, like, misfits and that's just kind of, I think, that we, we associate with those things so well. Like, but all of these toys were misfits, like, not because they, they necessarily thought of themselves as misfits, but the reason they thought they were misfits was because someone told them that they were. Someone labeled them a, as misfits. Like, I don't think they would have known unless someone told them. Somebody labeled them as misfits, and because of the labels that were placed on them, like, they were limited to life on an island, separated from everything and everyone else um, that, that God would have for us. And I think many of us are kind of the same way. Like we have, we have allowed people to label us and to characterize us, and because of that, we're missing out on some of the things that God wants for us, because we're buying into what everyone else says. But I would say this, that God actually uses misfits to see the miracle. Like, all throughout Scripture, that's what we got. And if we go all the way back to, like, the, the original island of misfits, uh, I, I think it looks kind of like this. Nativity scene, yes. Like, right there. Like, I think that, that if you're from a background, a church background, though, you're thinking, man, like, those aren't, those aren't misfits. Like, but that's because we're looking at it now from a 30,000-foot view, we're looking at it now from 2,000 years later, and we can see the, the whole story. But like if you walked up on that scene, originally, there was some sketchy stuff that were going on. Like if you walk up on the scene, like you've got Mary and, and you've got Joseph, they were there, seven-pound eight-ounce baby Jesus, he was there, Wise men were there, shepherds were, were, were there. And in that time period, listen, all of them were, were misfits. All of them would have been considered outcasts. All of them would have been labeled by people who honestly had no business labeling them. But the beautiful thing is that they didn't let their labels limit them from what God had for them. Like they were able to break through with the power of, of, of one word, which is the word I wanna talk about today and challenge you with today. Like, I, And I want first of all, I wanna tell you though why I think all of these guys were a, were a bunch of misfits. Like, Joseph, now, like, now don't raise your hand. Like, I don't, want, I don't want to know. But how many of you have any type of family drama going on in your life? And again, don't raise your hand. It'll get you in trouble. But we all have family drama. And if you're sitting there thinking, I, I don't think so, listen, you're the drama. <laughs> like, the, the, you're the one that they're talking about. But, but we are, like... You were gonna do so and so. We're gonna do this for Christmas, but then you have to wait and stop. Well, what about Uncle Eddie? Like, what, what is he gonna do if he shows up? Or, like, there, there's always some family drama. Well, Joseph's family was full of drama. Like Matthew starts his gospel with this whole lineage thing going on, and Joseph's great 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 grandfather had sex with his daughter-in-law, who dressed up as a prostitute to seduce him. I mean, it's like Jerry Springer in the scriptures, like. Like Hebrews going wild, spring break edition, like I don't know, but this is insane, like it didn't start out good, and then, and then Joseph's occupation, like does anybody know what Joseph was? He was a carpenter, right? Like I, I love carpenters, we have some of the best carpenters uh, around here um, in, in this church, I love it, like I can hardly change a light bulb, but I got people who I can call, like it's awesome. But because he was a carpenter, here's what that means. Like in the Jewish system of schooling, and, and I've explained this before, like you would go to school for a certain amount of time and, and if, if you were smart enough, if you could memorize enough scripture, if you could teach, like then you would continue in school and you'd become a rabbi or, or, or a priest or you'd work in the temple, something like that. But if, if you weren't, if you didn't make the cut, they would just say, hey, you go do what your father does. You, you go work and you become a, a, a carpenter. So the fact that Joseph was a carpenter tells us that he was, he was at least rejected by the religious society, by, by the religious system of the day. He was told, hey, you're not good enough to, to step into this. So he stepped out of that religious system and stepped into being a carpenter. Now, if I'm God, and I'm not, I've never claimed to be, I, like you may hear something, but I'm not. Um, but if I was God and I was picking an earthly father to raise my son. Like, wouldn't you think that God would, would pick a guy that was maybe a, a rabbi, someone who excelled in the religious system? Or, or maybe even somebody who, who was a, a tabernacle leader, someone who was able to, to, to lead in the religious system? Or maybe not even a tabernacle, like a, maybe a temple worker, somebody that worked in the temple, or, or somebody that, that at least lived in Jerusalem because that's where the temple was, but no, God picked a carpenter who lived in Nazareth, a country hick who essentially was a school dropout. God said, that's my guy. That's the guy right there I want to, 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 to raise my son. Joseph would have been considered average. He was an average guy doing an average job living in an average town but they didn't understand something that it really it took me years to understand, is that God doesn't make anything or anyone average. If you're here today and you're watching online or, or you're in the room, listen, you were created in the image of God. You were custom designed by the creator of the universe and you are a lot of things, but you are not average, you are not ordinary, you are not normal. Like you are, you are made in the image of, of Almighty God. And Joseph in this time period, he was considered, he was labeled to be an average guy, a misfit. But this misfit got the front row seat to the greatest miracle because he didn't let other people label him. And therefore, the labels didn't limit him from what God wanted, him to, wanted to do in his life. And now he resisted at first. Like, have you ever told God no? One honest person here, like, that's great. Everybody else is like, no, I always say yes. After the service, I go walk on Forbes Lake, like, whatever, like, <laughs> turn, some, turn some water into wine. Like, I don't, but Joseph wrestled with what God wanted him to do. And the story goes like this in, in Matthew chapter one, starting in verse 18, it says, this is how, the, how Jesus the Messiah was born. That's a pretty awesome sentence right there. But it says, his mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, hello, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, Joseph, like, Joseph's excited at this point. Like, he's getting ready to get married. And, like, Mary walks in and she goes, hey, like, I got some news. Like, what what do you got, baby? I'm pregnant. Oh, but see, but, but Joseph, like, understands. I haven't done anything, like it's, it's the Holy Spirit's baby. All right, and Joseph's going, man, I gotta cancel the registry, like the event, like the venue, like all of that. Like he didn't believe it. Like, And I don't blame him, like if I was in his shoes, I would have struggled with that too. If you don't struggle, listen, if you don't struggle with what God's asking you to do, you're probably not hearing God because God never calls us into our comfort zone. He always calls us out of our comfort zone. So Joseph had decided, you know what? Like, this is, this is too much. I don't think God would work that way. Anybody ever heard anybody say that? I don't think God would work that way. I love it when people say, like, I don't think God would work like that. I'm like, man, I'm so glad that the work of God isn't limited to your imagination. But it says this Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to, to break the engagement quietly. And this is and pause right here, and like and I thank Matthew because we get a glimpse into, into Joseph's character, Joseph's heart right there. Because Joseph could have disgraced her publicly. In fact, if you, you could track down Old Testament law, like that the, the Joseph could have had her killed. But he valued the relationship over being right. And I don't know who this is for this morning, but you got some family coming in for Christmas, and you're gonna spend some, some time with some family, and listen, and you don't agree with them politically, like you don't agree with them morally, or, or maybe you don't agree with them scripturally, but I wanna tell you this, you can win the argument and lose the relationship, and it's just not worth it. If God's doing something in your life and somebody else doesn't understand, it's not up to you to convince them. Like God, God will take care of it, and he did here. So Mary's like, man, I don't know God, Like, I just, you're gonna have to do something. And God says this, as Joseph considered this, divorcing her, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And I, my brain, well, I could almost see Mary there because I'm, I'm married to, uh, to a, a woman. I told you. <laughs> I told you, like you, you didn't listen to me. If you would just listen to me, everything would have been All right. It says, then she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus. And I can say that because my wife's not even here today, <laughs> but that's good. He will save his people from their sin. And the scripture says this, when Joseph woke up, he prayed about it, he formed a small group to study the possibilities of it. No, it didn't. It says this, Joseph woke up and he did as the Lord commanded him and he took Mary as his wife. I just want to ask a question and it's, it's not a trick question and I do want an answer Did Joseph completely understand everything God was asking him to do, yes or no? No, not a chance. Joseph didn't wake up and go, oh my goodness, I'm going to be the earthly father of Jesus who is eventually going to to grow up. He's going to have an earthly ministry of, of three years. He's going to call all of these disciples. He's going to go on trial. He's going to be crucified, but that's no big deal because he's going to be raised from the dead. Like he didn't understand all of that. This is what Joseph knows. Mary has a baby from the Holy Spirit inside of her and you want me to be the dad. See, oftentimes I struggle with saying yes to God because God will say, hey, this is what I want you to do next. And I'm like, okay, God, but I need the five-year plan. Like, I need to know what's after that. Like, I don't even, God, I don't want to just know my next step. I want to know my next step and my next step and my next step because I want to know where this is going to take me. Joseph knew what God wanted in the moment. And Joseph got to be at the front row of a miracle because of one word. He was willing to say yes. Okay, God, I don't understand what you want me to do. I don't understand what you're asking, but yes. And when a misfit says yes and ignores the limitations of labels, that's when they're able to step into, what, into seeing the miracle. Second person that's a misfit in the story is Mary. And now it's, it's kind of insulting to call Mary a misfit in today's world. But in the community that she lived in, she would have been looked down on. Like, let me set it it up like this. I grew up in in church all my life, very uh, traditional types of of churches. And every year, like, no matter what church I was in, um, until I stopped it here, um, but, like, on Mother's Day, we would give out flowers to moms. Right? And and if you're, like, if you're mad about that, okay. Um, But it would be like, okay, like, what's the mom that has the most, most kids? And they would, they would walk up and be like, I have 12. And you're like, whoa, you didn't have any free time, did you? Like, well, like, um, like it was crazy. Or we'd say, all right, the, the oldest mom, raise your hand. We'd go through 70, 80, 90. And there'd be two or three people standing up and you're like, I ain't asking anymore, like how old you are. So well, good thing we bought more extra flowers, so you all three get one, that's great. But I remember one time, when I was a youth minister in Kentucky, like, they, like I was reaching all kinds of kids, like non-church kids, bringing them in. And on Mother's Day, like, okay, okay who's, the, who's the youngest mom? And it'd be great when you have somebody who was like 25, 30 years old, like that was great. But I remember one year, like this 15-year-old girl raised her hand. And she walked up and everybody was like, couldn't believe that happened. Like and there wasn't a lot of clapping, there wasn't a lot of applauding. What it was was a lot of, of talking behind her back. I was like, there's no dad. Wonder who the dad is. Wonder who did that. You know what, that, that, that young girl never came back to church. because it was the walk of shame for her. It was crazy. But you think Mary had a, had a walk of shame pretty often? Small village, small town. I don't believe people have changed much since then. You think people were talking behind her back? I think it was pretty often a a walk of shame for her. If she listened to the labels that other people put on her, she would have walked in shame because of a rumor. Have you ever heard a rumor about about yourself? Think about the rumors that Mary dealt with in her town. People talking about her. an Adulteress. But if she would have lived by those labels, she would have never stepped into what God had for her. When the angel showed up and said, Mary, hey, this is what I want you to do, like, was that calling Mary out of her comfort zone? Yeah. But after the angel said this, like, this is what I want for you, Mary said this. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. What got Mary the misfit, the front road of the miracle, it was simply that she was willing to say yes to what God wanted for her life. And because she said yes and refused to accept the labels that everyone put on her, today there are cathedrals named after her. Like people are named their daughters after her. Not because she did powerful and awesome things, simply because she said yes to God. Which brings me to the third group of people in this story, which were the shepherds. Like, Bethlehem and Jerusalem, they were, they were about six miles apart, like six miles uh, between the two, and Jerusalem is where, where the temple was. Jerusalem is where they would sacrifice the, the, the sheep and the goats and the bulls. Like, there was a lot of sacrifices going on in, in Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem, again, is where the temple was. It was where you would go to have your sins paid for. It's where you would go to be made right with God, like For that to happen, though, Bethlehem is where they would keep all of the sheep. The the shepherds would live in Bethlehem because they were considered unclean. So they couldn't go to the temple to offer sacrifices. They couldn't have their sins forgiven. The shepherds could take care of the sheep that were used for sacrifice, but those sacrifices could not be made for them because they were unclean, they were misfits according to the religious leaders. So you know what God did? He bypassed the temple, and he bypassed the religious system. And the Bible tells us this in Luke chapter two, They said that night, there were shepherds staying in the fields who were um, guarding their flocks uh, of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the glory uh, surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will be great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of other armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those on whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem to see this thing that had happened, in which the Lord had told us about. Can you imagine that? You're a shepherd, you're, you're an outcast, you're hanging out with your boys and some sheep, and the next thing you know, an angel shows up and, and they're singing. Like, do you really understand that as a shepherd, that you're about to what you're about to step into? Not a chance. Do you really understand that you're about to see the, the Messiah who's eventually going to be crucified on a cross? and be raised from the dead to to pay the price for your sins? Yes or no? No. See, the shepherds weren't good enough according to, to religion. Like, they were excluded. But God looked down from heaven, and he bypassed the whole religious system, and he invited the unclean to have a front row seat. Had they accepted the labels of the religious community like they had placed on them, they would have been limited and they would have missed the miracle. But God said, you know what? I'm not going to exclude anyone. No matter what this world says about you, if if you're willing to come to me, if you're willing to say yes to me, I'm willing to forgive. I'm willing to have something great for your life. And so the shepherds got got a front row seat to the miracle. Last but not least, I wanna talk about the, the wise men the wise men. Well, according to, to Old Testament scripture and Old Testament theology, astrology was considered to be sinful. If you were a, a Jewish person and you were practicing astrology, you were kicked out of society. And astrology, just by the way, like is, is studying the stars to predict the future or to, to worship the stars. And now for some, like the Christmas story The wise men were looking at the stars. So did God sin by meeting them where they were and bringing them to where they needed to be? Because you know what I hear a lot of times in in, in church world, not from us, but from from other churches? You're using all those fancy lights and and you're feeding them breakfast, of course they're gonna come. You you gotta use these gimmicks and these things to to pull people in and, and to save them. And stuff just doesn't let, like, listen. We're gonna do whatever it takes short sure of sin to win people who are far from God. Like, like, we're going to. And I don't think God was being sinful by using some, a practice that he even, the, the Bible says that he hated. He wasn't being sinful by using a practice that, that, that he hated in order to reach people where they were. And that's what we're willing to do. Like, we got the screen up here Thursday night. It was crazy in here. Like, smoke. we were doing a practice run for 618. It was awesome. But, but we're gonna use whatever it takes to do that. See, like, to the shepherds who were right there by, by Jerusalem, by Bethlehem, he sent an angel. But to the wise men, listen, geographically, they were 350 to 400 miles away from where they were. Like, they're, they're in modern-day Iran or Iraq. It would take about a month for the wise men to, to get to, to Jesus, where it took the shepherd just a, a few minutes to get there. See, the problem sometimes with believers is that we forget where we were when we got saved. And we get so righteous, and we get so holy, that we'll sometimes look at something and say, well, God didn't do that. But see, God, God takes something that the religious community would have considered sinful, and what they considered sinful, God, used it, God saw it as useful. He didn't send them angels, he sent them a star. And, and scriptures, didn't, they, he didn't say, hey, you know what, you guys? You need to cut out that behavior. Like, that, that's horrible. You just need to stop right now. No, what God did was said, hey, you're looking for a star. You're looking in the wrong place. You're looking at the sinful thing. God says, you know what? I'm going to use that because I believe I can use that to bring you to the place of where you need to be so you can see who you really need to see. And that's what God wants to do in, in our church not just our church, but in all churches, God says, Hey, I want you to do whatever it takes to get people to a place where they can see what I need them to see so that they can serve who they need to serve, so that they can be saved the way they need to be saved. And here's what it says It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea the, under the reign of, of King Herod. About, the time, about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking where the newborn king of the Jews was. It says, We saw his star. Well, you shouldn't have been looking at stars. Sinful. So we saw a star and have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone else in Jerusalem. Why were they disturbed? Because these people were looking at stars. They were predicting the future based on stars. They They were involved in a practice that they knew that God hated. Said this, and Herod called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law to ask where is the Messiah supposed to be born in Bethlehem, in Bethlehem, in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. You, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come to you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Don't miss this. The wise men go in and they tell Herod, hey, we think the king of the Jews uh, is here. And Herod calls all of the religious leaders together, the priests and, and the scribes, and they have a Bible study. And in the Bible study, they say, yeah, that makes sense. He's to be born in, in Bethlehem. And Mary's at the manger, and Joseph's at the manger, and the shepherd's at the manger, and the wise men are at the manger. Guess who's not at the manger? The Pharisees. I'm losing my microphone. The Pharisees the religious leaders, the scribes, none of them are at the, at the manger. But all of the misfits were because they didn't sit around and talk about it. What they did was they said yes to God. Did so the wise men stop following the star? Actually, they didn't. So they have this Bible study with King Herod. They find out where it's at. They open the scriptures. You think, man, once people understand, once people open the Bible, they're gonna quit doing their sinful thing but you know what, they didn't. Because after the interview, it says this, the wise men went on their way, and the star. There, there's the star again. So they had they'd seen in the east, guided them into Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. So the star led them to Jesus. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy and entered the house of the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. They opened their treasures and gave gifts of frankincense and myrrh, gold frankincense and myrrh. Here's the wise men, 350 to 400 miles away. They see a star. And how did the wise men get in the story? It's very simple, they said yes. They they didn't even understand what they were going for. They didn't even know that what they were doing was, was outside of what God wanted for them. They simply said yes to what God wanted for them. They didn't accept the, the labels that the religious people would have put on them. And because of, uh, they didn't accept those, la- those labels, those misfits wound up at the, at the manger and they saw a miracle that the whole religious community missed. So with all that in mind, I just wanna ask you a question. I want you to ask yourself, what do I need to say yes to? What's God calling you to do now? What, what What's your next step to say yes? It's gonna be different for many of you. For some of you, it may be baptism and you need to, to give your life to Christ that way. For some of you, it may be opportunities to, to partner with us and and become ministry partners and serve in what God is doing here. And I know some of you are like, man, I don't know if I can do that, I don't know if I can, Like, I don't know if I'm qualified. You have all of those questions. And I would just say this, if that's what God's calling you to do, say yes and he'll work out the details. Maybe for some of you it is, it is this thing called forgiveness. Like the shepherds, like they had to, to go through this whole thing, like they, they'd spent their life not being able to be forgiven. Not, not being able to have their sins washed away. They, they knew what it was like. For some of you, I would say this, you probably have family members. You have relationships that have been broken and people are just dying for forgiveness and they've looked at it in the church, they've looked at it through religious people, maybe they've even looked at it for you for years and they haven't felt or received that forgiveness that, that they need. And maybe today is the day that you need to say, you know what, I'm gonna step outside, I'm gonna make a phone call, and I'm going to to offer them the forgiveness that they so much need, because until they get forgiven, they will never see what God needs them to see. So I'm gonna ask you to stand this morning, is whatever yes you need to say, I'm gonna ask you to to do that today. Don't worry about what's after that. Don't worry about what's to come. What God's asking you to do now I'm just gonna ask you to say yes. Father God, today, I come to you thanking you. For, one, for for this time of year. Even though it's crazy, even though it magnifies things, even though many of us uh, don't even enjoy it. We are thanking you that we can we can focus on your love for us, that you sent Jesus into the world. And that you sent him for people like us, who who we consider ourselves ordinary, we consider ourselves average, we consider ourselves sometimes even, even nothing. And we consider ourselves that way many times because that's what people have said about us. That's the way they've labeled us. Many of us here have even been labeled some of those things by the church. Father, I pray today we would walk out of those labels and we would walk into to all that you have for us. And the way that we do that is by simply saying yes, to what you're calling for next thank you for jesus who who said yes all the way to a cross so that he could pay the price for our sin it's in his name that i pray